We are in our one word series. You see the banners over here and the, uh, the slide up top. We are reading devotional books about various words regarding our faith that come from the scriptures. And we have entered into a mini series on church. And last week, my brother Larry Helton preached about church, and I'm so thankful that he was able to fill in in a pinch for me, and I listened to a portion of that sermon. He did an excellent job, and I'm very thankful for him and glad he and Kim are part of our church family. And I so appreciate all the uh, encouragement and the prayers offered for me and my family in the loss of my grandfather, and that's where I was last week in Chattanooga preaching his funeral. So last week, Larry talked about church, and for the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about what church does, the functions or the purpose of church. Church, the church, enjoys fellowship for one, and that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. The church engages in worship. That's one of the things we're doing here this morning, and Alex is going to preach about that next week. The church embodies the kingdom. We are brought into the reign or the rule of God, and we'll be talking about that in a few weeks. And then lastly in this series is actually a sermon that I have already written, and it's a very personal sermon for me. Uh, This last one, the church evangelizes by proclaiming Christ. And so our next four words, fellowship this morning, worship, kingdom, and the sermon I am... I'm looking forward to every time that I preach, but this Proclaim Sermon, it's a very special one to me, and that'll wrap up our mini-series on church. But this morning, we're talking about fellowship. So what is fellowship? We use this word in various ways, and so maybe that's a good place to begin, talking about, thinking about the ways in which this word is used in the church world. We talk about having a fellowship room. We have a fellowship room. That's what we call it. It's downstairs. And it was originally built to uh, host various gatherings of God's people. And now we have the Van Zandt Center, which is an even larger space, which we have most of our uh, gatherings and potlucks. These would be called fellowship rooms. And so that is one way that we use this word, by talking about a space in the church building. We talk about fellowship meals. Maybe this is our favorite way of using this word. Fellowship meals. When we have gatherings where there is food involved, we often call it a time of fellowship when we get around the table. And then we talk about having fellowship, you know, after the worship is over, maybe as you linger and mingle uh, with people who sit near you, you know, in the pews before you exit, or maybe out in the lobby or in the parking lot, we enjoy fellowship. But much of the interaction that takes place in these various settings, in these various ways, is sometimes not all that different from what might happen at a, you know, a party you have at your home, uh, or some club, local club meeting, or some other social gathering. Now, I'm not saying that there are not important and formative and life-changing conversations that, that take place in the fellowship room or during a fellowship meal or as we experience fellowship in the lobby. What I'm saying is there's more to Christian fellowship than 
than the way that we use the word. We are just scratching the surface of fellowship if we are only using the word in these senses. And so I want us to do a deep dive into fellowship this morning. And hopefully by the end of our time together, our understanding and our definition of fellowship will have been expanded. So let me start here. This is where we ought to start. First and foremost, Christian fellowship is a fellowship with God. This is where it begins. Fellowship, as we experience it, as God's people. I think about what John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. I've got the verse up here. John says, our fellowship, the fellowship of believers, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship with the Son. We have fellowship in other places in the New Testament. We, we see we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We have fellowship with God. And this is as good a time as any to tell you about this word that is translated fellowship in your New Testament. It is the Greek word koinonia. And there's a family of words uh, with this root. And this word is translated fellowship, but it also means sharing. It means participation. It means close association. And this is a distinctly New Testament idea. The righteous, God's people in the Old Testament, they depend on God, yes. They trust in God. They have a relationship with God. But this language, they did not have language for this in the Old Testament times. They had no concept of of fellowship. They would not have regarded themselves as being in fellowship with the almighty God of the universe. And so we have it so good in Jesus. In fact, no group in the history of mankind has ever had it better in terms of their relationship with God than we do right now through Jesus Christ. We have it so good through Jesus. Through Jesus, we can have fellowship with God. What a blessing. People in the Old Testament... They would have loved to experience fellowship like we experience with God through Jesus Christ. I think about that song, what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. May we not forget how good we've got it in Jesus. We've got fellowship with God because of him. Nobody's ever had it better than we do. And from our fellowship with God flows a fellowship with other believers. Our fellowship with other Christians is produced from our fellowship with God. Same verse, but a different part. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. John says, we are telling you about Christ. We're preaching the gospel to you so that you may have fellowship with us. John says, one of the reasons that we want you to know about Jesus and the new life that he brings is, it be, is because it brings us together as one into fellowship. Fellowship's not something that we get to choose. It is a non-negotiable. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. That's an oxymoron. You can't be a Christian without the church. 
We are drawn into fellowship whether we like it or not, and we ought to like it because it is a wonderful, sweet blessing of belonging to God. But we are drawn into fellowship with one another through Christ. We don't get a choice. That's just the way that it works. And the beautiful thing about this is, in Christ, relationships are, that were wounded by the fall are being mended. Everything was messed up when Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God and sin. It cast the world into sinful patterns, and it affected everything, including our relationships with one another. But now through Jesus, we are being drawn into a fellowship that the purpose of which is to undo some of the damage of the fall. The church is to model a new way of interacting with one another. We, we set aside the old ways that are rooted in sinful behaviors and, and attitudes, and we embrace this new way of connecting with one another. Now, sometimes we do fall short. Sometimes we don't live up to that ideal. I think about in the book Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, Huck spends some time living with a family named the Grangerfords, and they have a feud with the nearby family, the Shepherdsons. And nobody really remembers why they have a feud. It's kind of like the Hatfields and the McCoys. But even though they're feuding, they all worship together at the same church every Sunday. Here's Mark Twain in the book. Next Sunday, we all went to church about three miles. He's speaking from the perspective of Huck. Everybody on horseback, the men took their guns along. So did Buck and kept them between their knees or stood them handy against the wall. The Shepherdsons done the same. It was pretty ornery preaching, all about brotherly love and such like tiresomeness. (laughs) But everybody said it was a good sermon. So they all come to church together, these warring families, And they hear this sermon on brotherly love, and yet they've got their guns between their knees or up against the wall. They have brought their weapons, and they're keeping them handy. Now, sometimes when we get together, in the name of fellowship and brotherly love, we bring with us our weapons. And I'm not saying we're we're all packing heat, although this is small-town Tennessee. I bet some of you are. I'm talking about other weapons. I'm talking about unkind words. I'm talking about avoiding a brother or sister. I'm talking about a snide remark. I'm talking about unwholesome attitudes or motivations. We come together and we claim to have fellowship with one another, and yet we bring our weapons with us into this time of fellowship. And the whole purpose of fellowship is to reverse the curse of the fall. And we don't operate like we used to when we were in sin. We respond to one another with kindness and with charity and with generosity and we give each other the benefit of the doubt. And we love one another. Fellowship is all about mending these ways of relating to one another that were broken, that were wounded. By the fall. Now, the early church can teach us a whole lot about true fellowship, and this is when I want to turn to our text. Acts chapter 2, verses 41. After this grand sermon from the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, we read in 41 that those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
wow, what an effective sermon. What a glorious day. And what strikes me here is that they did not just personally take Jesus into their hearts and they did not just begin a personal relationship with him. They were added to something, something very special, the church. They were brought into this family, this community. And verse 42, listen to this description of the early Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, I've, I've italicized that, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They were a true community in every way. They shared everything. They shared their possessions. We read in this passage that they had all things in common, and we take that to mean all material things. What's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. They were selling their possessions and their belongings, and they were distributing the proceeds from those sales to those who had basic needs. So they shared their possessions. They shared their presence. The writer of Acts says the early church got together every day. There wasn't a day that went by that they didn't gather. They got together in the temple. They had not yet broken away from the temple. Very early days in Christianity. And they got together in their homes. They were together all the time, enjoying one another's presence. They shared their plates. They gathered for common meals. And let me say, if you are not regularly eating with other Christians, you are missing out on one of the most important components of fellowship. Table fellowship, sharing meals together. We all should be hosting Christians regularly in our homes, and we should be going into others, other Christians' homes in order to share meals together. There's something special that happens when you are around a table And we know this from the meal ministry that we've done in the past. There's something special when you're in somebody's home and you're around their table and you're sharing a meal. That's what the early church did. And they shared their praise. They got together to praise God. Now, all this can be summed up in what is one of my favorite verses about fellowship. And interestingly enough, this verse does not even include the word fellowship. But make no mistake. This is a verse about fellowship. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. What does Paul say to the believers in this city? We see that they were very dear to him. He was very close with them. He says, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become dear to us. We didn't want to just share a message with you, a teaching with you. We didn't want to share the contents of the gospel. We wanted to share our lives with you. We wanted to share in fellowship with you. We wanted to share ourselves. Fellowship is the sharing of a common life through Christ. And it's a wonderful blessing. The newest president of Freed Hardeman University is David Shannon. And David and his wife Tracy served for many years at the Mount Juliet Church of Christ outside of Nashville. And a couple months ago, that congregation held a gathering to honor the Shannons for their service before their big move to Henderson. So a big crowd was there in the auditorium and many memories and stories were shared 
tears were shed, laughter abounded, and another minister that I know was in attendance with his family up there. And at one point, his young son looked up at him and said, is this church? And the minister, the father, knew what his son was asking. They were in the auditorium, and he wondered if this was a worship service. And the answer to that question was no. But in another sense, the answer to that young boy's question, is this church? The answer is yes. Because in that auditorium where memories were being shared and a family was being honored, the church was doing exactly what God designed it to do. Loving and supporting one another as they move through life together. That's fellowship. An older preacher tells about when he served a little church in a little town in East Tennessee long ago. One Sunday evening, the whole congregation gathered at a nearby lake because somebody wanted to be baptized. The new believer went down into the water, took on Christ in baptism, and then came back to the shore where that small little group of Christians was singing a hymn. When that song was over, one of the leaders of the church introduced the newest member, told his name, where he lived, where he worked. And then all the members of that congregation surrounded the new convert and they introduced themselves one by one in this way. My name is this, and if you ever need this. My name is, and if you ever need help with laundry. My name is, and if you ever need anybody to chop wood. My name is, and if you ever need anybody to babysit. My name is, and if you ever need anybody to repair your house. My name is, if you ever need a car to go into town. And around the circle it went. And when it was all over, they shared a meal together. And most of the congregation had gone home when one of the older gentlemen said to that young preacher, folks, don't ever get any closer than this. That's fellowship. The sharing of a life. The sharing of our lives together. Speaking of baptism. One of the things I miss about our church camp, I really miss going to camp. That's one of the things I miss about my old job. And I'm so thankful that Alex and Allison and others uh, are leading it in such a fine way. But one of the things I miss about camp is witnessing baptisms at the swimming pool. We'd have somebody want to be baptized. And when they'd come up out of that water, we would surround that new believer. We'd We would make a giant circle. We'd place a hand on the person's shoulder beside us. And we would communicate to that new Christian in a tangible way. You are a part of something special. You're a part of the family of God. And we've got your back. And we're here to protect you against the evil one. We're here to support you and encourage you. We want to share this life with you. And we'd pray for that new child of God. And there'd be tears and smiles and hugs. Folks don't ever get any closer than that. That's fellowship. You see, if I ever need help with my car, I call Greg Heatherly. And he probably would like to ignore a lot of my calls. (coughs) When he sees my number coming through, 
If I ever need encouragement from a card in the mail, I rely on Earl and Francis Champion and Gene Jones and Margaret Custer and Laura Ann Simmons and the Seagroves and the Bolins and Gil Woodall and I'm leaving so many out. So many I received a card from after my grandfather passed away. Did you know that I even received a sympathy card after our dog died? From Catherine Stewart, one of the best card writers in our congregation. If I ever need a good hearty laugh, you know where I go? I go listen to one of Miss Caroline Simmons' stories. You'll guarantee the end in laughter. If I ever need somebody to pray with or for me, I can count on my brother Alex Currington, who called me up as I was on my way to Chattanooga and said, can I pray with you over the phone? And he said a prayer for me and asked God to give me strength as I did my granddad's funeral last week. You ever done that? Called somebody up and prayed with them over the phone? That meant the world to me. I'll never forget that. If I ever need somebody who understands what being in a preacher's family is like, I go talk to Pam Walker, who grew up in a preacher's family. Her dad was Marlon Conley. She knows all about it. She gets it. She understands what our girls are going to be going through as they grow up. What a blessing. If I ever need help moving a piano, I call Troy Wells. But I won't pay for his doctor's bills if he uh, breaks his back in trying to move that piano. If I ever need counsel in dealing with a church matter, I call one of our elders. They've been here longer than me. They know the church here better than me. They know situations better than I do. They can help me if I need wisdom in dealing with something. If I ever need to borrow a pressure washer, I get in touch with Delbert Reed. And brother, I promise I'm going to return that pressure washer to you one of these days. If I ever need a text to help brighten my day or lighten my load, you know what? It's not long before I get one from Dodie Carolyn. And I could go all day, but we're running out of time. I mean, I could stand up here all day and recount all the ways that you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, have extended fellowship to me. I could reflect all the day long about how the fellowship of this church family has been a blessing to me. And if fellowship like this has not been your experience here, then I want to say a couple things to you. The first of which is, I'm sorry. And let me say to you, that if you don't feel loved, and cared for, and supported here, then we need to do better. Then we're falling down on our job. And we, we have got to become better and better at this. I want to see this church grow, but if we continue to grow, it's going to be impossible for each of us to share a warm, loving relationship with everybody in this church family. So we're going to have to come up with ways that we can care for everybody and, and take care of one another and so that everybody can experience the blessing of fellowship. But let me also say, and you may not need to hear this, but some of you might. Let me also say here that fellowship is a two-way street. And so the question to you might be, how are you doing in extending fellowship to others? You know, to have good friends, you've got to be a good friend. To experience warm fellowship, you have to extend warm fellowship to others. I think about that old a cappella song, there's nothing as sweet as fellowship as we share each other's lives. There's nothing as sweet as experiencing fellowship with the Lord 
through Jesus Christ. And you can come and experience that this morning through taking on Christ in baptism. There's nothing as sweet as experiencing fellowship within the family of God. And if you've been away from God's family and you're ready to come back and rededicate your life to God, then you can come at this time as well. Are there any spiritual needs here? Come and make them known as we stand and sing.